Good morning, friends. I'm so thankful for this opportunity uh, once again to, um, to preach a gospel message. Uh, my name is Terry, and that's my beautiful wife, Jolene, over there. Um, and once again, this message is part of our preaching series that we are preaching through the book of Galatians. And today we'll be focusing on Galatians 1, verse 11 to 17. Um, so, Steve, can you please put that up on the overhead? That's Galatians 1, verse 11 to 17. <clears throat> uh, let's read from there. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that I made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. So in this passage we see that Paul wants to make it absolutely clear that he did not make up the gospel of grace. Nor did someone teach it to him, nor did he get it after any consultation or discussion with the other apostles uh, in Jerusalem, but that he received it in its entirety and in its purest possible form, directly from the Lord Jesus Christ through revelation. And we all know that passage of Scripture where Paul was on the way to uh, Damascus, and he encountered Jesus, and that is in um, Acts 9, verse 5. The purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ was of the utmost importance to Paul. It's also of the utmost importance to us as a church today. We see him admonishing and rebuking the Galatian church for perverting the gospel saying if righteousness, which is right standing with God, could be gained by observing the law and man-made rules and rituals, then Christ died in vain, and that that is no gospel at all. The gospel of grace, friends, in all its truth, is the only gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world. Colossians 1 verse 3. The gospel that declares that it's a cross of Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. The blood of Jesus plus nothing and minus nothing. The word of God plus nothing and minus nothing. That is the gospel of grace. The title of my message today is The Power Gospel of Grace. Are you with me? 
Friends, grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Grace and truth. We cannot add or subtract from the finished work of the cross. Simply because it's finished. Those were Jesus' last words on the cross. It is finished. You cannot add to something that is finished. Can you imagine somebody getting a hold of a beautiful work of art like the Mona Lisa, for example, and thinking that they can somehow try to improve on that? A bit of paint here and there. Yuck. Well, that painting is now all of a sudden worthless. And it's the same thing that applies to the finished work of the cross. It's finished, it's perfect, it's complete. Amen. When we attempt to add to what Christ did on Calvary, we are intimating that he didn't manage to complete the job properly and that somehow he needs our assistance. It's a bit arrogant, eh? So we begin to prescribe as to what we should eat, what we should do, what we should wear, what we should not do. And it's like, how can we add some flesh, some of our own effort to help the gospel to get over the finish line? It needs our help to get over the finish line. No, it doesn't. Friends, this is called self-righteousness. And besides being repugnant to God, just like Cain's offering, just the smallest bit, just the littlest bit, like yeast will ferment and negate the power of the gospel of grace. This is called mixing law and grace. Flesh versus spirit. And we see in John 6 verse 63, Jesus said, Only the Holy Spirit gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words that I've spoken to you, they are both spirit and they are life. Amen. Human effort accomplishes nothing. It's only by faith in what Christ has already done for us that we can receive eternal life. The moment that our salvation even remotely depends on our ability and our performance, it's bad news. It's bad news because we know it's going to fail. The gospel is called the good news simply because God did it all for us, because he loves us, because he knows that there's no way that we could have accomplished that on our own. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news of peace and salvation. The good news that our king reigns, that our God reigns. Isaiah 52, verse 7. You'll be glad to know, friends, that there's no bad news in the good news. Good news is good news. It's historical. It's something that has already happened. It cannot be changed. It's history, and it's his story. 
And like Paul, God is calling us to uphold, to defend, and to contend for the true gospel. To boldly proclaim the good news. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, plus nothing and minus nothing. Some of us might believe that we are not competent to do that. But God has made us competent. Just to unpack this Galatian scripture that we are focusing on today, I want to go to Corinthians and just read a passage there and just unpack that bit by bit. So if you won't mind taking your Bibles and going to 2 Corinthians 3, and we're going to read from verse 4 through to 18. And I'm just going to read it bit by bit. Okay, so let's read for the first part, Corinthians from two from 4 to 6. It's about the fact that God made us competent ministers of the new covenant. That we don't have to think that our qualification is based on our own ability. Let's read from 4. It says, Such confidence we have in our, through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the letter of the law kills, but the ministry of righteousness brings life. And by calling this covenant new, he has made the old one obsolete. And what is aging and obsolete will soon disappear. In essence, Paul is saying, my confidence and my confidence doesn't come from myself. It comes from God. He qualified me as a minister of the new and everlasting covenant through the precious blood of Jesus. I'm qualified to proclaim the gospel of grace, the good news of the kingdom of God. I'm a pen in God's hand. And the commendation of my ministry is indelibly written in the hearts of men and women whose lives has been co completely changed from the inside out through the grace message. through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So this is proof of love of the grace message. But Paul is saying, my competence comes from lives forever changed. The grace message is the message that changes people's lives from the inside out. We are never competent in our own eyes. We will always somehow fall short as competent ministers because in some way, we are all cracked, leaking vessels. Or is that just me? <laughs> but thanks be to God that our competence does not come from ourselves. It comes from Him. And we are personally qualified by our loving Father. Amen. So we have this treasure hidden in these jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing glory is from Him and not from us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. 
Uh, let's carry on from verse 7 to 15. This is about the ever-increasing glory of the new covenant and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let's read from 7. It says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory. That's the law of Moses. And Paul calls it the ministry of death. So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with joy, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who covered his face and put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is the veil removed. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. So the lifting or the removal of the veil speaks of revelation and enlightenment in the inner man to see Jesus, our Lord and Savior, now we can clearly see our salvation in the light of the finished work of the cross, the new covenant, and the free gift of righteousness, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of righteousness is the ongoing revelation, illumination, and unveiling of the finished work of the cross of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, of which God has made us competent Ministers. Amen? Amen? Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Friends, we are the new creation, recreated in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. The new is here. I'm so thankful for us that the law, the ministry of death, is dead and gone. That we are blessed beyond measure to be living in the time of the new covenant, in the end time dispensation of grace, the unveiling of hearts and faces that all God's people all over the world can come to the knowledge and understanding of the good news of the gospel of grace in all its truth to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Aren't we blessed, friends, to be living in this dispensation? To have the revelation that we have, to have the freedom that we have, to be living in this dispensation of grace. It's not a fad, it's not an overnight thing or, you know, this month it's grace, next month, no. This is the end-time dispensation of the revelation of the gospel of grace all around the world through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When I read this passage, I have such 
mixed feelings and emotions. I'm saddened and I mourn right now that the vast majority of the people of the world are still living in the densest darkness. Conversely, I'm truly thankful and rejoice that I've been saved by the grace of God. That right now, despite my faults and failings, I stand righteous before God by faith. I'm justified, accepted, loved unconditionally as a son and an heir of the household of God. I never did anything to receive this. But I fully receive the free gift of the righteousness of God. I have a high view of my salvation. I I give thanks daily for my freedom in Christ, and I rejoice that my name is indelibly written in the book of life. Your name is indelibly written in the book of life. We have got so much to celebrate, so much to be thankful for, friends, through this gospel. So let's read on uh, 16 to 18, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, behold, the Lord's glory as in a mirror. We are being transformed into his glory, into his image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when we first came to know Jesus, we turned to him and we put our hope and our trust and our faith in him. Then the veils were lifted and we were able to see our salvation clearly. That we were saved by his grace. And then we come, we come free to live as, as one with him, for him. And we have an, a, an open invitation and the freedom to come to the throne room of grace at any time into his glorious presence 24-7. But then as life continues and things, time goes by, we find that those veils begin to come down again, one by one. It creeps up on us, and most of the time we don't even realize it at all. A bit of leaven here, another bit there, until suddenly we find ourselves in a hard and dry place. And even the the smallest of daily difficulties and adverse circumstances become insurmountable. Our identity as sons and our perception of others and of God becomes obscured and causes us to lose our clarity and our vision. But then as the scripture says, but the moment we look to Jesus, The moment we call on him, the moment we turn to him, the moment we cry out to him, the veils are lifted once more. Our vision clears. We perceive him and ourselves correctly. His acceptance grace and empowering grace come flooding over our lives once again, reaffirming and rekindling 
our purpose, our passion, and our calling. Amen. And I just want to give you a, a short personal testimony of what I'm saying here. Um, I was radically saved in 1988 up in a church in um, the Eastern Transvaal called Elion. Steve knows about Elion. Um, it was one of the first churches that was preaching the, the grace message, and it came under quite a lot of persecution, but it was, it was actually in revival, full-on revival. And I really got radically saved there. Um, but let, around about nine, 20, 21 years later in 2009, I wasn't happy with my walk. I wasn't happy with where I was. I didn't exactly know why. I couldn't see why I was, wasn't really um, kind of, there was no life. I was in really a dry place. And uh, uh, in April 2009, I think about the same time that Rob Rufus came and was doing a conference here, at Highway, Joe and I went away to um, the Berg. I think we were at um, Fairways. And um, I was just walking under the rhino horn and just walking. And I just started crying out to God. I said, Lord, I don't know where I am. I don't know why I'm so unhappy. Please show me. Give me a picture. I'm a very much a prophetic person and a, and, and a picture person. And, and I asked the Lord, please give me a picture and show me where I am, and, uh, you know, as usual, he always answers, <laughs> I cry, and he gave me this picture of a hot air balloon, okay, and it was a beautiful day, there were some clouds in, in the sky, and this hot air balloon was just like, it was floating around very nicely, it was, and it looked like it was having, you know, quite a nice time, and whatever, and it looked pretty. But I noticed that it actually wasn't going anywhere, okay? And then I saw there was one line, rope, and it was just pegged to the ground. And it actually couldn't go anywhere. And I'm like, Lord, so that's cool, but show me what is that line, what is that peg? And the Lord said to me, you know what that is? That is just a little bit of self-righteousness. That is just a little bit of law. It's a little bit of your own flesh in here. And immediately I saw it. My eyes were just clear. I just I could see it clearly. And I just said, Lord, please come bring the scissors of the Holy Spirit. And and just cut this rope. And my faith is steadfastly on the finished work of the cross on the blood of Jesus. Lord, just cut it with the scissors of the Holy Spirit right now. And God did it. And I tell you, I felt an immediate release. I just felt completely released. And it turned my whole life upside down all over again. You know, I, it, was, it was like a new beginning all over again for me. And, and it was amazing. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we later on joined Highway Church. Because we just love this message. Hey, love, you remember... Um, it just really turned my life upside down. So wherever we are, if we just cry out to God, He's always able to show us where we are and lift the veils again. And then we can see clearly once again and just ask the Holy Spirit to just come and cut that thing. Amen. Friends, the cross of Christ is more than sufficient. Jesus has achieved every single victory for us through the cross of Christ. There's not one victory 
that remains outstanding. Every single victory. And today, Easter, we celebrate the greatest victory of all, the victory over death and hell. And whilst we do good to celebrate the physical resurrection of Jesus, there's a far greater reality to this day. There's a far greater reality to Easter Sunday. And that is the spiritual death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from hell. That, friends, is the greatest act of power. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the depths of hell. And today we remember that he left the highest place, his throne, and went to the lowest place, hell, to show the depth and the height of his love for us. And he went there, friends, so that we would never have to go to hell. In Revelations 1, verse 17 and 18, Jesus said, I'm the first and the last. I'm the first of the new creation, and I'm the last of the new creation that ever had to go to hell. And the Holy Spirit raised him from the depths of hell. And on the way out, he grabbed the keys of death. He said, I have the keys of death and hell. Amen. Wow. So I'm coming into land now. As believers, we sons and daughters of the Most High God. And as members of the household of God, we have a 24-7 relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not about how many hoops we can jump through to make ourselves pleasing and acceptable to God. It's more about what God did through Christ to give us the free gift of permanent right standing with Him. He who knew no sin took all of our sin upon Himself so that we would be free to be in permanent right standing with God by faith. This is called the righteousness of God. And not by observing the law or man-made rules, rituals, and observances, which is called self-righteousness. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. So friends, I pray that today we once again be immensely thankful, overwhelmed, and totally astounded at the enormity of the finished work of the cross and what God has done for us in Christ. That we are saved by grace and by grace alone through the precious blood of Jesus. And that the work of the cross is finished and complete. There's absolutely nothing that we can add or subtract from what Christ has done. But by faith in Christ and Christ alone, we can walk in the fullness of our salvation and receive all the amazing victories that Jesus has won on the cross for us. Friends, I am in no way ashamed of this gospel, for it is indeed the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Romans 1 verse 16. Amen. So, um, you know, that's the end of my message. So I just felt, Steve, just to pray a bit. Yeah. Um, so, 
firstly, anyone who this morning doesn't know Jesus and something resonated in your heart while I was preaching this beautiful gospel, um, won't you just put your hand up and, and I believe that this is a great day, Easter Sunday, for you to begin an amazing walk with Jesus, King of Kings. So, if that's you, won't you just raise a hand? Is there anybody here? Okay, and so you can come up afterwards, so there will, there will be somebody to pray for you here. And then the next thing I felt was that, and maybe if you guys don't mind just to stand, um, so I'd just like to pray for you. If you're a believer and you find yourself in, in a hard and dry place right now, why don't you just turn to the Lord? I said, we turn to Him, the veils are lifted, and He, he brings clarity into our lives. Why don't you just turn to Him? Why don't you look to Him right now? Why don't you just seek Him right now? Say, Jesus, you're faithful. Your promise is that the moment we look to you, those veils are lifted, and you will show us clearly where we are. So, Lord, I pray for that. I pray that you do give your sons and daughters right now that turning to you, Lord, that you just give them a picture, just drop something into their hearts, Lord. Just bring a clarity of what they need to do, Lord, to come back into a place of absolute freedom and life through the power of your Holy Spirit. Anything that is lack of law or self-righteousness or whatever, Jesus, I pray that you identify that right now through the power of your Holy Spirit for every one of us here, Lord, so that we can walk in freedom, so that we can walk in life. I pray, Holy Spirit, just come in and just reveal that now. Bring clarity, Lord. And friends, God is showing you right now. I just sense that that there's just things that God's dropping into your heart, things that He's showing you in your about your life. And just respond back to Him in your heart. Ask Him to come and just cut that rope. Whatever it is, cut that rope. So that you're in free fall again, that you're just free to move with the wind of the Holy Spirit. That there's no law, that there's nothing holding you back. That it's just the blood and nothing but the blood. That it's just the word plus nothing and minus nothing. It's just Jesus. Amen.